Special thanks to everyone who pledged money to crowdfund the show this week, including David Walker, Tim Edwards, Iliko Ella and Andy Hagen. There's a full list of all our supporters on 361podcast.com, along with the information on how to support us from as little as $1 per episode via Patreon. Hello and welcome to 361, a weekly podcast about mobile tech and everything around it. My name's Ben Smith. I'm Ewan McLeod. And I'm Rafe Blanford. This is Season 11, Episode 8. And this week we are recommending some of our favourite apps and services. But first we start by catching up with our Smartest Home Challenge. Back, chaps, how you doing? Oh, I am winning. Winning, winning, winning at, at what? You're winning at the smart home challenge. Uh, yes. That's fighting talk. How's it coming on? Eat that, Smith and Blanford. Right, fair enough. Those guys come on very well. Maybe I'm forgetful, but I'm just mm. thinking back over the previous episodes. I just don't think anyone else has demoed their system live on the show. What? Do I need to? And oh, we're come out of on, t- that's nonsense. That is absolute nonsense. We are out of time for that today. What? Rafe Blanford, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, thank you, Ben. And how are you doing? I'm very good, thank you for asking. Okay, so this week we are talking about the Live, that's live. There you go. So you and McLeod is now showing us a picture of a window. That's right. And the only thing... That's how I can see outside during the day. Okay, so you've got a sort of live video feed. Bang, bang, bang. See, zoom in, zoom out. When you say bang, 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 are you referring to the chronic reflection that means that you can't actually see out of the window? I don't know how to deal with that at the minute. All right. So what you've got, on it. What, what you have is yeah. a live streamed video feed of whether or not the lights are on in your kitchen. Right, yes. Okay, so I'm, I'm still feeling relatively... I'm still winning. Still feeling relatively confident on the Smartest Home competition, but we will be giving an end-of-season focused update on that. Uh, Rafe Blanford, are you still getting shipping forecasts announced to you in the night when you go for a wee? No, I'm getting a much more settled smart home, and it's starting to alert me to when uh, there are burglars in the house. How many times have you been burgled over the course of this season? I haven't yet. So, but, so conclusively, but, no alerts means the system is working oh, no, perfectly. No, you, you say that, but I left an unfortunately highly stacked pile of papers and it fell off and it alerted to me to the fact that there was an intruder in the premises because it thought it was that it set off the motion sensor. And so this is one of the things that smart things is kind of primary use for. Uh, but you've gone with a camera. I don't have a camera. And that, so, and that is rubbish. That, so there's no way... You can possibly win. Can we just be clear? He just telephones his butler. Oh, yeah. But no, but that doesn't count. The butler's looking at that doesn't count. You, you have to be able to do as I did. It's a very smart home, though. <laughs> very sure tidy. It does. So, Blanford, you're on notice. You're not winning. Okay. Right. Well, a motion sensor's fine, but you've got to be actually be able to go back and see it. I will say that as I smugly hit my goodnight function and all the lights switch off and the sonar switches off and everything goes nice and peaceful, then automatically wakes me up the next morning with a gradual increasing of the dimming of the light. And I look over and look at my lovely uh, Hugo light and it's showing red, so therefore I know so, I need so to get my... Get my rain jacket out the cupboard and get that on so I don't <laughs> I'm, get wet. I'm just, I'm just This sounds like Rafe Manford living in the country. I'm just hearing the lark rising. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a sort of burst. Have you been the one burgling the house? Because that's, <laughs> I'm, I'm that's out- my exact morning wake-up alarm. I'm just outside your room. <laughs> that's not at all creepy. 
Well, actually, I have quite the contrary, which is I'm wrenched from a deep sleep by a small person shouting at me from the adjacent deep, road. Deep sleep? Room. D- deep sleep, yes, because he's he's taken recently to waking up at about 5am, which is ever so slightly earlier yeah, than I would it, choose to get that's up. That's it, man. That's it. You are now a 5am waker. Uh, I'm a 5am waker, and more importantly, he's learned how to point as well. So not only do we that's get woken nice. up at 5am, there's the pointing, all the things he wants. <laughs> Breakfast, toys, <laughs> you, out of the way. I want mummy. Yeah. So. Excellent. So he's, he's obviously got good taste then. Well, indeed. Basically, in our house, we, we have this idea that sort of, you're the breakfast lady, and you're the man who gets the breakfast lady. That's my role. Excellent. <laughs> well, one of the things that I have got smart with, because I talked about setting up various rules and interactions, I found one of the nice things about smart things, because it's an open system, you can actually get various third-party apps, and I've got one called Rule Machine, which makes it very easy to set up a whole bunch of kind of switches and tasks all of which are actually better than the kind of the native or the standard app and there's quite a few of them actually out there and you can also do things with beacons which allows me to actually have individual room level control as long as i've got my phone in my pocket so i've been exploring these and as a result my uh, various lights and things that are switching on are doing so in a much more controlled manner and uh, i'm not getting any errant shipping forecast when i need a midnight visit to the lavatory lavatory you're so cooth well i have to admit i am thinking about buying a smart things hub not because i'm going to vary still thinking well but, but not because i'm going to vary the design <laughs> not the vary the design but i mm. you, you remember i talked about homebridge and how i'd set yes. up that gateway to all those devices mm-hmm. well i've done some more homework and i've worked out that that homebridge will actually work alongside smart things so what i could do is have everything set up as i want but just use smart things purely as the rules system that triggers things based on conditions because what i don't have at the moment is good automation i've got th- everything connected but it's all triggered by me pressing buttons on an app and I want things to happen automatically. There are other systems, but actually the smart things one seems quite elegant. I made a massive uh, mistake last night. I was, because um, I knew we were going to be recording. This right? isn't necessarily the place for those kinds of admissions. And I, about one o'clock in the morning. Minus points. So Blanford is asleep already, I presume. Well, no, he was asleep. Well, we know because you and I were talking on Slack. responding to I wasn't anything. Actually Thanks asleep. for that. You're just ignoring us. I did have a problem actually with my smart home because I was working at three o'clock in the morning, uh, you know, as you do. And the house had gone into night mode, so it got very confused that I was still up and about. And I've actually set the lights to switch off after 30 seconds. And I have to admit, I found myself leaning over and doing that, waving at a sensor in order to get the light to come back on. And I had to actually get the phone out, which was on the other side of the room, and switch it back into daytime mode. And uh, yeah... That was a bit of a fail. I'm traveling for a few days. So ahead of this podcast, I wanted to make sure I tested some things out. So I've tested out the Sengled Pulse, which I'll tell you about in a minute. Um, Say that again, just the name. S-E-N-G-L-E-D. Sengled. Yep. Sengled. I don't know know that one. What's that? Very interesting. Actually, let me tell you about that. It's basically, it's a, a light bulb. So an LED bulb. Like a Philips Hue. Yep. Philips Hue. Bluetooth, not Wi-Fi. Okay. So Bluetooth. Right. Well, wait a minute. And it's got a speaker in it as well. Excellent. Right. It's very interesting. I, I wasn't sure about it. I put it into, uh, in the, sitting in the study last night at one o'clock in the morning, put this uh, Sengled up, uh, installed it, and played some music lowly. And it was brilliant. So they had a light on. Amazing. And the little Bluetooth app, you can turn the lights on you, you, from zero to 100. It's only white, not colour. White is a colour. Okay, but it doesn't do different colours. And... Playing music from it was actually a real, real pleasure. I don't know if I want my light bulbs to play music. 
I know, but do you know, it's quite... Because they're, son- they're my sonos as a lamp and my toaster's a kettle and I don't know what's going on. My kitchen is complicated. Do have a look. It's called the Sengled Pulse. Now, the slight problem I have is Bluetooth. So, yeah. I mean, you can, you can have all these daisy chains around the place. So you can actually, if you don't have to go and have speakers anymore, you can actually have them all playing music. It's really quite cool. Yeah, because it does a mesh network, but unfortunately it doesn't tie in with anything, does it, Yuri? That is a slight issue. It's still smart home, but I would like to be able to, I don't know. I you, you need one of these central hubs that kind of talks to multiple standards so that it could do Bluetooth and like the home grid. Uh, oh, there you go. The home bridge that okay. I have. Rafe Blanford, have you been bitten by Philip's Hugh DRM scandal that's yeah. brewing just around the time of the recording of the podcast? Uh, oh, have you not heard this? This uh, is no. This is very funny. Well, I did a little dance around my own kitchen because I, oh, I, I was reading this. I'm going, never mind, you know, the industry news and the fact that you know, DRM and Philip's and industry. Yeah. Going, ha ha, Rafe Blanford's screwed. <laughs> like, uh, thank <laughs> you so one. much, Ben. So this is the news that Philip's has updated the firmware for their light bulbs and they've done it such that you can no longer use compatible third-party light bulbs with a hue bridge which is kind of their central Ooh, uh, I didn't know that. C- central hub now it does actually depend on a couple of factors whether you've already got the light bulbs linked and various things like this but basically Philips say that it's just all a bit accidental and they can't guarantee that it'll work with anything apart from their own products but this idea of DRM in the smart home I think is an important issue oh that is ridiculous that you know Make there is no together, guarantee that it, you don't get this cross compatibility and it should do because actually Philips is using deliberate. Zigbee well there's all kind of speculation around this. And I thought that Ben would probably be feeling a bit smug because I had sort of alluded to the fact I was looking at some third-party uh, Lightify light bulbs, but I haven't actually got them yet. So I've escaped that particular one. And the good news is it will work with the SmartThings hub, which is actually what I'm using to control my uh, light bulbs. So it's an advantage of going with something like uh, SmartThings. Is it's actually got a direct connection locally to the Hue bridge, and it does use that to control the Hue light bulb. But from that point of view, it is kind of annoying because actually the Hue app could be my central lighting thing. And I was very fortunate not to get caught out by this. And it was really just a happenstance of what I'd got around to buying in terms of light bulbs. One quick update from me. Following feedback from Mrs. Smith, all things must be operable without picking up a smartphone is a new non-functional requirement. Yeah, we were talking about that today, actually. Yeah, yeah. so if you can only operate it by picking up a smartphone, that's a no-no. If it's better for picking up a smartphone or more convenient, then that's fine, but lights need to be Are you going to have on. to get one of those third-party switches in? Well, lights need to be turned on and off with a physical switch. Speakers need to be muted with buttons on them, etc., mm. etc. Et so all of this is doable, but... Hard work. It's harder work, certainly. Can I just say thank you to my wife, Hetty? I put in the same lead at one o'clock in the morning, delighted, right? I had the door closed and then we can hear the music. The children were still asleep. And then I thought, do you know what? I just might as well put in a hue. So I got the hues, I unboxed them, went into the hall, unscrewed light bulb, put in the hue, very nice. I switched on, great. I had shut the door so she couldn't see this. What she did hear is a smash of the light bulb on the floor. Because <laughs> 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 I, I took the hue out and then I thought, I'll just put, uh, do I leave it? Because I thought, if I'm leaving the house for a couple of days, do I leave these things in just as you were saying because she will go spare if it's done uh, so I thought I'll put the old light bulb in but I forgot the power was still on the switch was still on so when I put the light bulb in I put it on twisted it and then the light came on and I instinctively dropped it <laughs> and then I had to walk upstairs walk of shame sorry sorry darling I seem to have dropped the light bulb and she didn't she, 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 she was very very she didn't say what were you 
thinking <laughs> at one o'clock in the morning. I didn't want to say, well, you know, we do have got this smart home challenge. The things we do for 361. Um, so I just had to go and get the Hoover out. Half past one. <laughs> Up and down the hall, just because the boys are going down their bare feet. The problem with setting up your smart lighting grid at one o'clock in the morning <laughs> is you need the lights on to be able to see what you're doing. I was sitting there with the phone, you know, trying to screw the thing in. I can now admit to the fact that I was installing a light bulb and the uh, stool that I was uh, standing on collapsed. What? And uh, I do have a fairly nasty bruise as a result of uh, trying to install some of my uh, smart home uh, light bulbs. The smartest home challenge is taking more of a physical toll on the team than I ever imagined when we set this up. So listeners, do evaluate us and uh, see what you think. I'd like to know what you're thinking of, who you think is winning so far. Yeah, well, let us know, but only if it's me. This week we're talking about the apps and services we recommend. We periodically come back to this one. Mm. And this time around we are having a bit of a focus on the things that we use when mobile as well. So it's sort of the things that enable us when we're doing our mobile working. A quick rattle off things. And we've tried to pick out some stuff that people might not have heard of as well. Mm. So these are all services that we use. They're services that we recommend. And for me, certainly, they're ones I've been using for a little while. Yeah. So effectively, this is the clip show of the 361 podcast. (laughs) No, it's the the opportunity. I really value this stuff, right? Because I get to understand what it is that you're playing with. I really like the clip shows as well. Fair enough. Okay. Now, we're going to go at speed here because we've got quite a few to get through. Mm. And I'm going to go first with Expand Drive. What is that? And what what platforms? is on so expand drive uh, is available for windows and OS X. it is a desktop client and it replaces dropbox or google drive clients so okay. if you want to use dropbox or google drive that's one way i thought that dropbox was all right it's fine but the problem with dropbox yeah. is and google drive is that they synchronize all of the data down onto your laptop and so if you have a small very portable laptop like a macbook or something very you know 64 gigs a small amount of storage you're, it's very likely your dropbox is bigger mm. and so you can either go through and exclude loads of folders or you can use expand drive which is primarily a live over the air connection and the nice thing is that one client does OneCloud, Google Drive, oh, see, right, Dropbox, right. and all of your cloud services, including web servers and FTP servers and all those kinds of things, if you want them, are accessible through one client. It presents all those things as USB drives connected, and it does have some caching. So when you go offline, the things that you were using most recently are available to you. It's a really nice, elegant one. I actually use it alongside the clients as well. So this is how so you I have Dropbox as well. I choose to do both because this is how I access the Dropbox folders I don't synchronize. Mm, interesting. So effectively, have you got kind of uh, file pointers in place? It's actually one of the things that Microsoft uh, came into a lot of criticism for removing from OneDrive in, yes. in Windows 10. And so this is a nice way, I think, for people who are used to the traditional filing systems. Absolutely. Rafe Blanford, your one? Can I mention the Lumia 950? No. Move on. Right. Okay, in that case, I'm going to mention the... <laughs> Horrible people. Get on with it. I'm going to mention the HTC One A9. I actually bought this along and showed it to... uh, Yes, it does look rather like an iPhone. Although I think in HTC's defense, a lot of the design elements have also been present on earlier HTC devices. Noticeably, Rafe Blanford deploying the HTC design the iPhone before Apple did. Argument classic. Uh, Um, I think you can't really get away from the fact that it does look a lot like the iPhone and a lot of techie people care about it but I suspect a lot of people on the street don't really care and just go just looks nice. it's an Android phone mm. that looks rather like that nice iPhone why is it, I'll, why I'll is it good those. Blanford why is it good it's the size the build quality that you'd expect from HTC and the design is actually I would say you know 
leaving aside sort of copying and all that thing, it's just a really desirable device. It's running Android M, so it's the most recent version of Android with the HTC Sense across the top of it, which I think is one of the more attractive of the manufacturer versions. They've put the fingerprint sensor in the kind of home button at the bottom, so it's, again, very similar to the iPhone. You've got a pretty decent camera on it. I actually like the fact that it's a relatively small device. I'm sure there's going to be variants that are bigger in time. Is it 4.7? Uh, it is 4.7. and uh, Inches. I think uh, HTC have done a really good job with this handset. I expect them to do pretty well with it. So it's so a recommendation for me. If you're looking for a new Android device, this one is definitely worth a look. You, McLeod? Can I say anyone that uh, was disappointed when Mailbox was announced uh, to be closing. This is the the email client that Dropbox bought. Yes. And it was quite a good one. Then they didn't do anything with it. And then they announced they were shutting it down. Yes. So I really liked Mailbox because it's allowed me to really, really quickly hack through my inbox just by swiping left and right. The one I have replaced it with is Spark. How are you spelling that? S-P-A-R-K, just Spark by Riddle. You'll find it on the App Store. It is surprisingly good. And what's good about it? Well, it's got all the stuff I was using normally, so that swiping left and right, because you can just quickly go bang, bang, bang with your thumb. Good for triaging. Great for triaging emails. And the way they've thought about it, they have really gone to town on UX, I feel. I'd very much welcome your perspective. I spent a day just getting used to it and trying it, and I'm with with them. I'm loving how they've done it. And that's for iOS only, is it? I think so. I need to check, yeah. yeah. I'm going to give that one a try. As an alternative, do look out for a Unibox, which takes I've a slightly different that. approach. Also got that. I haven't tried it as much, though. More people-centric. And also, I think, give a shout-out for Outlook, which I think is Still one of the out. best. I've got that on there as well. The yeah. best, And it's going to integrate the Sunrise calendar functionality, which I think is really good news. Microsoft's iOS stuff, not half bad at the moment. Mm, I never thought absolutely. I'd be saying that. Okay, next one for me is Trip Mode. This is an OSX app that you install, and it recognizes when you are tethered to your smartphone, tablet, or a mobile Wi-Fi hotspot and it turns off certain services so it auto senses and what it means is that you can stop dropbox you can stop iCloud syncing all the things that might use up a data allowance or choose your battery don't want using that yeah. you don't want using i used to manually shut or pause those syncing oh, apps nice. down that was an nice, yeah. this one is fantastic every time an app tries to connect to the internet the icon flashes red you can see which app it is and then you can turn it on or off so i have my email and my twitter client turned on but i have dropbox and iCloud turned off it sits there all the time and it's activated by you connecting to your smartphone as a tethering hotspot what is your twitter client i use tweetbot or tweetdeck interesting i use both depending on whether i'm doing 361 or personal tweets what does what's the 361 uh, i use tweetdeck for that one because i have the columns what's your i actually mainly use the uh, twitter website on the desktop and then the official apps on the phones i mean i've gone through various third-party ones and haven't ever really landed on one for any length of time i have used TweetDeck and tweetbot at various times but uh, actually i find the simple solution sometimes works oh. for me next recommendation rafe blanford i want to give a shout out to os maps online which is a subscription service that you pay about 20 pounds a year to and you get access to all the ordnance survey which is the uk's uh, mapping agency maps for the uk at 1 to twenty five thousand and 1 to fifty thousand. for those that have seen these paper version of the map those are the orange and the pink ones and it's just great being able to get access to OS maps, which are really high quality anytime now. There is a website that works on both desktop and mobile, but there are also mobile apps for iOS and Android that allow you to download these maps in real time. You can do a bit of offline use of those. They also let you download uh, walks 
and sort of recommended routes. But actually, it's when you're out and about, and especially if you're walking, you want an ordnance survey map to be able to see the footpaths and so sort of the areas around you to get a feeling for the landscape. And if you're doing survey work or anything like that, it becomes really important. Perfect for estate surveys. Well, I was actually thinking archaeological and concrete surveys, but what yes, about, those um, two. Does it also have an overlay of all the telegraph poles? It doesn't have that, but if you want to do that, I can recommend uh, QGIS, which is a desktop app where you can actually download using the OS Open Data and then use various data sets. And it's actually in the ArcGIS formats, and there's a great one that does World War II concrete. There's another one that does the... Uh, HMR, which is the Heritage Monument Record that every council is required to keep, and various other things. So you can actually see things like SSSIs. Now, this is all going to come across as sounding a bit nerdy. SSSIs? Really? really, You do surprise me. (laughs) But actually using all of this open data with JS tools allows you to do some very powerful analysis. And if you're doing any kind of survey work or community archaeology, these tools can be incredibly useful. SSSI, Sites of Special Scientific Interest. Interest, Almost yeah. as good as area of outstanding natural beauty. I used to use SSI a lot. That's the area around me. You so McLeod, thanks, honestly. <laughs> let's let's denotify it. Helpful denotify it. No I've appreciation. Been, I've been uh, <laughs> muttering in the corner now, <laughs> listeners. I've been having a little play with Oxy. A-U-X-Y. A-U-X-Y. You ready? Go on. It just lets you easily knock together a tune. A tune? Yeah, a little, little tune here. So um, let's, let's just put it up here. Here we go. I'm just uh, I'm just messing around. Blah 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 blah. Right. Did you hear that? Dong, dong. Hmm. Right. I don't think you should give up the day job or indeed the podcasting hobby anytime soon, you. It's my little demo. Well, it's a demo one. It's um, I've been playing with it. It's quite quite nice. Nice one, and the boys have been loving it. Oh, and it comes up as a kind of a sound pad. Sorry, I thought, I thought you were playing an instrument. No, no, it's, it's a, a series of. Um, uh, squares. You can set the the it's time. So you, you, yeah, basically you go into it. Then you say, right, right. So you hear. Okay, you hear that, right? So let me put a little square in. Right now, I put two in. Right. This is um, okay. This is, is that turning really fascinating. On? Okay, Ben. Next recommendation. Oh, fine, it's okay, having right. a horrific effect on me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm liking it. All right. Okay. Next one up for me is very OSX oriented, but actually that's where I work, and a lot of people I know work. Um, I'm going to recommend Endurance, which I'm testing and haven't yet come to a conclusion whether it's going to stay or go. It's not the Arctic Survey ship, then. It's not the Arctic Survey ship, no. Although good knowledge, historical reference. Good knowledge. No, Endurance is another utility you install on your Mac, particularly when you're travelling, and it is a really smart set of measures for maintaining the battery it's a whole bunch of rules and things that are policies that will be applied to make your battery last longer and they reckon they can get a a good 20 percent extra out of it what they do is there are a number of battery saving optimizations in osx already for example apps in the background receive less processor time and things like that but actually apps that are minimized don't use any time at all so as you're working apps that are completely covered so an app that perhaps a window is up on your screen but is covered by another window is automatically minimised. And it's just little tweaks like that, turning and dimming displays and things like that, applying basically a more sophisticated rule set than the ones you might set up into settings. Very interesting. And it's the sort of thing that you probably don't want to use all the time. Mm. But if you're working mobile I want for a day... Yeah, I want the battery to last properly. So, for example, before we were talking, you said to me you were going to do a four-hour train journey tomorrow. Yes, exactly. You're going to start the train journey. You probably want to do everything you can to conserve battery. Yeah. 
while you're going so that you can keep working. Well, and I actually want to use it after the train journey as well. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm trialling that one. So far, so good, but I'll mention it again in the future. Rafe Lanford. I do get the you. impression, Ben, that you seem to be doing a lot of road warrior duty at the moment with all these things you turn off when you're travelling. And I can only compliment you on your dedication to working out of the office at all hours. Yes, uh, <laughs> out of the office on the train, trying to make travel time or time between as productive visiting as customers as productive as possible, but also with no Wi-Fi, with no access to plug sockets, so always trying to sort of conserve power and that uh, data. So I was going to talk about an iOS app called CrowdMics, and this is basically turns your iPhone into a microphone that you can use when you're running an event or something like that, and it actually operates over peer-to-peer, and basically oh, you, smart, you host an event, and then you can actually plug the host iPhone in kind of your PA system Brilliant. and then grant access to other iPhones that join this peer-to-peer oh, that, network. I love that. And it kind of, it's as it sounds like crowd mic. So if we were running a 361 live event, we could just have four or five iPhones scattered around the room and use those as your microphones. And it's sort of a way of doing this on the cheap. It does it over a, a peer-to-peer Wi-Fi network or an ad hoc network. The UI and the setup, all incredibly easy to use. And I just admire it as a clever bit of thinking and an alternative really use smart. You know, Love that. running a quick event. I think that might be really cool for um, big meetings as well. Yeah, yeah that's what I was thinking, yeah. 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 Okay, you and McLeod, next up for right, you. Well, mine is another similarly smart app, the kind of one that you think, mm, does that actually work? It's called Room Scan. What does that do? It scans <laughs> your room. I didn't see that coming. And so it makes a series of floor plans from um, off anything, actually, off you your mo- building. Are you moonlighting as a real estate agent? No, but I did think, oh, I could be pretty good now because I've got the, the ability. <laughs> <Called> one F. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the ability to make a floor plan. Fair enough. Now, how it works, I tried it in the hotel room. I was in the Premier Inn. You say hotel. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. They have nice beds. Fair enough. Right. How does it work? How do you actually use it? What you do is you say, um, you say begin, and you tap your phone horizontally, on the first wall, the door, for example. Then it says, okay, fine, I've got that wall. And then it says, go to the next wall. So you then walk to the next wall, any wall, and you plonk your phone down against the wall, again, horizontally. Rooms kind of goes, okay, fine, I've got that wall. You then walk to the next wall, and the next wall, and the next wall. And as you're doing so, it's building a plan of the room. How is it measuring the distance between those tabs? It's doing it using your, uh, I think... <sighs> Do you know what? I don't know, but I get the impression it's looking at you know uh, an approximation of where you've tapped, and then do you know what? I I don't know. It wouldn't be GPS, would it, Rafe? It's that's too it small can't a distance. It can be GPS. I'm thinking, is it what is it seeing how much I'm moving the way that I'm walking across the room? As I understand it, it's using a combination of the orientation sensors in the phone, so it can obviously tell yeah to see that I'm which moving, angle walking. it's it's changed to relative to where it was as, before. As you're walking so through the room, the, it, you, you can see it construct a path of your footprints, basically, as you're walking. And then it says, well, if you've done that, and it's probably point to point. Uh, and then, then, but it's actually surprisingly accurate. It's really cool. Yeah. So using the magnetometer to kind of get the orientation right, and then I would guess it's using the accelerometer to count the number of footsteps. And it can probably make some smart guesses on based on what standard units are. But you can actually add a laser measurer Bluetooth sensor yes, to so it in order to, to make it completely accurate. But it's a really clever thing because one of the things that's actually difficult for measuring rooms for anyone who's tried it is getting the angles right because typically a room will have multiple indents for you know a cupboard or a bathroom or something like that and getting that kind of planning of it right it was really well done because the the premier in room i was in had an angled bathroom door 
and it, it gets that and it's actually smart enough also to start connecting multiple rooms in a house together and so really clever example of ways of using the sensors sensors on the iphone so yeah i've been enjoying trying that out and i was just like you you're unsure exactly how it worked but Mm. making some assumptions it's smart use of sensors on the phone really cool okay next one up from me is app in the air it's my new favorite travel app it hooks up to things like TripIt and it allows you to track your flights. It gives you gate departure information and all those sorts of things. Okay, it has okay. a beautiful UI. It alerts you to delays and gate changes and those sorts of things. It gives you recommendations, a bit like City Mapper for where you might want to sit right, on the plane. That. I've got my itinerary here for my Christmas travel. It's a series of cards. It tells me when checking closes. It allows me to add a checklist of things I want to bring with me. It's got weather and those sorts of things. What's really good though, it's got a seat map for the particular aircraft on that flight it's all things that are available on other travel planning apps but for me doing it nicely this is the best combination of every feature i want in a really beautiful ux Um, i used it a few times in the past but i didn't realize that you could synchronize it with other stuff and so typing the flight details in was a bit of a pain. And I mm. tended to do it perhaps when I was meeting someone and they wanted to monitor their arrival time, um, you know, tracking mm. flights. But actually, I've since hooked it up to my TripIt account where I keep all my flight plans anyway. And actually, I use this in preference to the TripIt app now. Really good. Thoroughly recommend it. Okay. Right, Rafe Blanford. So I thought I would actually give a shout out in general to Universal Apps, having been stymied on mentioning the Lumia 950. We've talked a little bit about this in the past, and Universal Apps is obviously something that iOS has had for a while between the iPhone and the tablet. But what I'm you, talking, you better be making this really relevant to mobile working and, and uh-huh, your, your life. Yeah. So uh, where I think this is interesting is it's tying together apps that exist on your smartphone, in this case a Windows device, on your tablet and on your desktop, and it's just the fact that all of the data and the settings just synchronized without me having to think about it. And I've used it on a couple of news apps with The uh, Guardian. I think also The Wall Street Journal's just released one. And it's synchronizing things like red status, but also the personalized feeds that you may have set up. And it's not until you sort of have that, that you appreciate that that's actually a pretty good idea. Now, the added benefit of having these universal apps, if you're using one of the most recent Windows devices, if you plug it into... Uh, one of their dock adapters, you will actually then see it on the big screen in a different format that's actually optimized. And we've kind of seen hints of that in the iOS world, but on two different devices, this is actually happening from a single device. So it's what I'd call a true universal app. And I was pretty skeptical about the benefits of these until I actually started trying them out. And Microsoft has had various versions for Word and Office, and they work very well. But seeing third parties starting to come through with them, I'm actually a little bit more aware of and sort of liking the benefits of the idea of a single app with a familiarity in the interface, but actually far more important for me is actually the sharing of data. And Apple have done it with iCloud on various apps, but this is something that seems to have been set up even better. Ewan? The last one for me is just WhatsApp. Now, I know we've been mentioning WhatsApp oh, before, really? right? Really? No, come on. What's we, we've got I, 30 minutes to talk about the most exciting apps people might not have heard no, of. And that's it. WhatsApp. I am now natively using or automatically using WhatsApp, the calling feature. No, no my, sorry, it's still disappointing. Yeah. No, hold on a minute. My, no. my colleagues okay, are not... Okay, have you got another better suggestion? Oh, come on. Got several, actually. I was okay, well, in that case, ben, can we have a... No, all right. I'm then. making a point that I'm preferring it, and my colleagues in work and um, my family are actually using the audio way more than the actual phone audio now. Why is it better? The quality is usually way, way better than the, the GSM 
network. So uh, because you haven't got HD voice on some or all of your exactly. calls. And because when I was international, so I was in Portugal last week. And um, when the chats from RBS were trying to call me, we just used WhatsApp. Just being cheap. Fair enough. No, quality is much no, better quality. I've had bad experience with WhatsApp voice call, which is interesting. So I'm really intrigued to hear that it's, it's worth phenomenal, well for you. especially over data. Okay, last one from me. A bit more mundane, but actually, I really found this you useful. You just had a go recently. at me. A bit more mundane, gone. Post it plus. Well, I haven't heard of that, so that's one up on WhatsApp. Oh. Okay. So, if you are like me, many of your meetings or much of your business will involve writing post its and sticking them up on whiteboards. And we do that for brainstorming, we do that for planning, we do software development, and we do, we use post its to Treasure hunts. record progress across a board, you know, so lots and lots of meetings where we're encouraging people to contribute. Similarly, also when we're prioritizing things, we often write them out on post-its and stick them across the table and move things around physically so that everyone can become involved. Post-it Plus is an app by Post-it, by 3M, I think the brand, who own Post-its. And it's a really tailored scanning app for taking pictures of post-its, which doesn't sound that exciting until you use it. Last week, I went to a meeting. We had a whiteboard covered in post-its. I took a picture of the whiteboard. Yeah. It identifies all of the post-its. It brings them out. It oh, makes them amazing. really easy to see. But then after that, I can now edit it. I can now drag and drop that the post That is po- really cool. I can drag and drop the individual post-its around. And then I was able to take several pictures yeah. of several whiteboards. And then I was also able to take those boards and arrange them as well. So what we... Oh, I've just looked it up. That is, that is really cool. So we were able to leave the meeting with several pictures of whiteboards that told a story. You know, where our first view, our yeah. second yeah. idea, our third idea. You often go around these loops. I was able to drag the post-its around and then put them in order. So then I was able to make a PDF and email that out at the end of the meeting. And it actually works really, really well. And because it has clever kind of scanning image process, is what I'm struggling to say there. Actually, on the post-its themselves, it takes away all of the background colours, but it also brings out the writing on the post-its. So it's actually really quite legible, actually, to read words that would be written on them. It's quite a niche use, but if you're in software development or if you're in in an industry that relies heavily on on those kind of post-its or cards on a board, I thoroughly recommend it. And my favourite price, free. Well, you've got to buy the post-its. I think it's probably worth sharing one place where we've been finding some of these apps, Ben, and I suspect we're all getting them from a very similar location. Yes, if you're not aware of Product Hunt, it started off as an email newsletter and is now Product Hunt. Yes, one does need to be quite precise about that. It's now an email, a website, there's an app, there's voting. It's many things to many people, but it's a really good place to hear about new and innovative products. And particularly if you are involved in software or the technology industry and those sorts of things, it's a really rich place of utilities there. Many of these things I talked about today I found on Product Hunt and uh, they do some really nice curated collections as well by people so um, i'd say go over to the product hunt website and get signed up i thoroughly recommend it that's where i got spark from actually oh good idea yeah. it's yeah. an excellent signal to noise ratio but i suppose if you describe it, it's kind of uh, dig or reddit for these kind of uh, new products and it's a way to appear informed and intelligent around the office if you can be the one that recommends that new app or of course listen to the 361 podcast well you can absolutely I, I quite like the fact that underneath each item they have the conversation and oftentimes the creators or the founders of the apps are there particularly yeah. very new services and they're talking about what they were aiming to do so you get quite a good insight into an app absolutely. even before you install well, you can it shape as well yeah. well it seems to me like the kind of rich information that the app store really ought to have is far better 
way to understand what an app does or how it works than the fairly staid, you know, description text and some pictures. But it does also, um, I think, bring to light the importance of curation, as indeed what we've been talking about today. The best recommendations actually come from friends and colleagues people have actually used it and product hunt i think has attracted a whole bunch of like-minded people and as a result the conversations are rather more intelligent than what you'll see beneath your typical youtube video there we go okay editorial assistance today provided by emma kraus this episode was edited by mark audiowrangler.co.uk you can find us at 361 podcast on twitter we're on facebook 361 podcast or you can subscribe and comment at 361podcast.com you can also join the patreon subscriber base there you can donate as little as a dollar a week and uh, we are gathering slowly towards our total of having rafe blanford vigorously rubbed mm-hmm. live on air for your and our but mostly Come our enjoyment on. fortunately there's just two episodes to go so i'm starting to feel quite safe they will not be the last episodes ever of 361 podcast that's right this will, this will continue right. on into that, next then season the uh, honor no, no, of having the first benefit should pass to someone else next season we will discuss that later. You can also contact us through the site as well if you'd like to leave us a voicemail or send us an email with comments or questions for the show. You can do it out there. Thanks very much for listening. We will be back next week. Bye-bye. Bye.